about the Advent, and that'll be our prep for the for the service. So this is the fourth Sunday we've been observing Advent, and the whole purpose of Advent, which which celebrates, of course, the the birth of Christ, is to literally get us ready for this thing. Um, when I was a little boy, I am old enough, uh, by the way, to have what is called a Sears wish book. And uh, y'all young people don't even know what that is. But a Sears wish book, a Sears used to be a store. I don't know if you guys know that, right? Another joke, two really bad jokes about aging myself. Anyway, they had this big toy catalog and you could go through the Sears wish book and go, oh, I want that toy. Oh, I want that. Oh, the, the Lincoln logs are awesome. Or I want this or that, you know. And it became your, your little, this is what I want for Christmas list. Well, that's a child's view of Christmas. And, um, and even if, we, even, you know, even as we grow older, you go like, man, I wish I had that. That'd be cool to have. Um, and, and, you know, we, we want stuff. And I get it. And um, it's good to have dreams. It's good to be human and give ourselves permission. But God's gift is very different than the things you can find in a catalog or on Amazon. Luke 2 records these words. When the angels had departed from them in heaven, the shepherds began saying to one another, let's go straight to Bethlehem then and see this thing that has happened. Let's verify it. We want, let's get the facts straight, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came in a hurry and found their way to Mary and Joseph and the baby as he lay in the manger. When they had seen him, they had made known the message, or excuse me, the statement which had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed about the things which were told them by the shepherds. Beautiful language. I want to pray, and we're going to get started. Abba Father, thank you so much that you brought your son into this world as a gift to literally make all things new, a gift of unspeakable worth. And I ask that you get our hearts ready, those online, uh, folks listening, that you would speak to them and your message would be revealed in my heart, in their heart too. Please, thank you, Father, in Jesus' name, amen. Okay, um, talk about babies. Man, it is raining babies at Christchurch, so... Um, E.M. McCormick, Elijah Matthew, born on the 17th, super excited. And then E.M. Vong, Evelyn Margo. What's the deal? There may be a secret barter thing going on or a, a, a like betrothal contract or something like that. So uh, two precious kids here. And uh, Stephen, mom's doing well. Yep. All is well. Hopefully going home today. I'll leave you straight from here and go pick her up. Yeah. Was labor hard on you? It was. I had a lot of subtractions. Oh, <laughs> you're, you're breathing. Yeah. Uh, did you have any subtractions? Subtractions. Oh, yeah. I mean con- contractions or anything like that. So. Yeah, I did. Yeah, it was hard. I'm, I'm, I'm much better, though. Thanks, Becca's okay, though, right? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, labor's hard on husbands. It's so tough. Um, precious. What a gift. Uh, by the way, Phoebe Vong, um, I'm not sure if you can communicate with her. I, I, I don't speak Jawa. She just... She just chatters and goes and I, I try to nod my head <laughs> they ask her they said Phoebe pointing to me what's his name and they and she said daddy papa doc Vong." that's what she said 
So there you go, Daddy Papa Doc Vong. So that's my name. Um, all right. Life hacks from Proverbs. I want to begin with Proverbs. And I've got life hacks there because I am so cool and I just want to fit into contemporary culture. No, um, it was actually a way of trying to getting at an, get an, at an idea that there's a hard way of doing things and there's an easy way of doing things. Uh, if you're like me, I have the ability, Lee, I can make simple things complicated, you know? <laughs> and, and I guess maybe sometimes it's justified, but a lot of times it's not. We don't have, life doesn't have to be as hard as we make it sometimes. And so the fact is the book of Proverbs says, hey, you know what? If you listen to wisdom, your life will be easier. If you don't, if you ignore it and you think like and act like a fool, your life will be hard. And so the book of Proverbs is, is a great series of contrasts between the fool and the person of wisdom, the person who refuses to listen, the person that listens. So it's really fascinating. So I want to jump in um, with this right now. Let's work on our vocab for a minute, okay? Let's work on a little bit of Hebrew. The word wisdom uh, is plain and simple. It means to be discerning. It means to, uh, to be able to see through the issues and the matters and make a good, sound decision. The, uh, the, the word is pronounced in Hebrew. It's a, it's a rough breath sound. It's, it's kochma. Kochma. It means wisdom. And then in the word mashal, mashal, like Michal Benson, you know, mashal with, a, with an M-A sound, not the M-I. Mashal is, is a proverb. So a proverb is taking a critically important idea and crafting it in a simple sentence that makes sense that you can easily memorize and live out. Okay? And, and all cultures produce proverbs, mashals. All cultures do this. Um, uh, I remember as a little boy, my mom and dad gave me their little proverbs. And my mom would say, she'd say, hey, Chris, hey, Chris, listen to me. And I go, okay, what, mommy? Don't judge a man until you walk a mile in his shoes. And I'm little and I'm like, why would I want to walk a mile in another person's shoes? They wouldn't fit. And, and she'd say, yeah, 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 I get it. But don't judge a man until you walk a mile in his shoes. And when I heard that, I was like, okay. And you know what? She was right. <laughs> she was right. And I remember those words and lots of other little things that my mom and my dad gave me. So, kokba, kokba. Think of getting a soft drink by your mommy. Kokma, kokma. Okay. You got it. Wisdom, mashal, proverbs. Listen to this. Whoever listens to me lives securely, and you'll be at ease from the dread of evil. Well, that sounds like that's a life hack. Hey, you want, you want an easier life? Okay, listen. Listen to the voice of wisdom. So this is what we're going to dig into. All right. Uh, and by the way, as we're entering Proverbs, it's going to, in, in the birth of Christ, it's going to be exciting at the end. This is what Proverbs chapter 1 presents. It reads as follows. The Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel. Uh, historians tell us that, that Solomon wrote lots of Proverbs, but he also collected them. 
So when it says the Proverbs of Solomon, it doesn't mean that he wrote all of them. He certainly did write some or a lot of them, but he collected them as well. Why do we have Proverbs? The purpose to know wisdom and instruction, to discern the sayings of understanding, to receive instruction in wise behavior, righteousness, justice, and integrity, to give prudence to the naive and to the youth, knowledge and discretion. This is why God gave us the book of Proverbs, to give us these things. And then he describes a wise person. A wise person will listen, will hear, and increase in learning. And a person of understanding will acquire wise counsel. It's something you collect, you get. The ability to understand a proverb and a saying, the words of the wise and their riddles. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Listen, my son, to your father's instruction and do not ignore your mother's teaching. When you listen to your father and when you listen to your mom's teaching, her instructions, they become like a, grease, a graceful wreath about your head and a necklace for your, for your neck. Um, in Hebrew, this means like a chain of gold, like a ring of gold around your neck. I want to make just a brief comment about moms and dads uh, that I think are really important. Um, in the world of the medical sciences, particularly surrounding psychiatry and psychology, it is unquestioned that the single most influential person in a child's life is mom. Mom, okay. As a child moves out of those early toddler years toward five and older, the father can have a tremendous, tremendous influence on children. Um, if I said to you that there is you know, we got the pandemic of COVID. Gee, isn't it great to hear that little idea? Uh, but I think there's another pandemic. And Randy, I think you'll appreciate this. There's a pandemic of wise men. There's a pandemic of, of men, young, middle-aged, older men, who have true wisdom. And that what a young man would be drawn to, to say, can I just hear you talk? Can you tell me your stories? I think we've got a national crisis that there's a huge vacancy in the office of old, wise men. And I gotta tell you, there's another pandemic too, and that's the wise moms. We got a whole nother set of issues going on there. And Children, there's something, there's something amazing about the human brain. Um, um, have you, have you, do you, do you understand that squirrels and cats have an ability to land on their feet when they fall? Do you, do you know that? Okay, cats have this advanced vestibular system, amazing hearing. Okay, no collarbone, flexible spine, and a long tail. And you, you hold a cat upside down and drop him, and that cat will orient to the. the 
his spatial world and he will land on his feet. Even if you drop him a few inches off the ground, they will flip and turn in a nanosecond. It's an amazing thing. Um, uh, that's called that a lighting reflex to kind of write, the, write and find balance. And you have a ship that's lilting and it needs to get upright, a writing reflex. Cats have that, squirrels have that. We humans don't. <laughs> if you've ever seen video footage of adults falling, which is, by the way, one of Lisa's favorite pastime, watch America's home videos and watch people fall. Because it's just like, why did they do that? Why would they? And when they fall, it's almost like they, the arms go out a little bit, and then they lock, and they go down. And they, they don't have a writing reflex. We don't do that. When we fall, we're breaking bones like that. We can't write things and land on our feet. Um, but we have something cats and dogs don't have and, and, and uh, squirrels. We have a different kind of writing reflex. You ready? It's a moral writing reflex. It pertains to logic. Okay. A squirrel doesn't care that one acorn plus one more acorn equals two acorns. Squirrel's not really concerned about that. It just wants to find something to eat. But we are concerned about that. We like counting, you know. Um, if you earn $500 uh, at the end of the week during payday, and you know that's what your paycheck is going to be, $500 for your hard work, and then your check comes in and it says $350, you're going to immediately be upset about that, and, you know, and you're going to give your boss, why am I short at $150? You've already done the math. We have a moral problem because all taxes have already been removed, all the stuff, your check is supposed to be 500 and it's not. And that we're upset now. We're, we don't like that. And you want a real good reason why you're short 150. And all of a sudden, math is important. All of a sudden, math matters because you're short the money. And you, you have a writing reflex inside of you. I want this to make sense. Children love logic. One plus one is two. They like that feels good in the brain to get a, an answer that works, logic. And when you have a wise dad and you have a wise mother, wow, that is just, it's just a beautiful thing to a child's brain. And you can help that child grow to become a mature, high-functioning adult who's not struggling trying to figure out a writing reflex on what, how, to, how to make sense out of life. And when a parent can look at a child that has wisdom, it makes that parent so proud. Wow. You know, you're going to see this a lot in Proverbs. Listen to your father. Obey your mother and her instructions. So wisdom matters. There is such a thing as right and wrong. If we continually go to the way of the fool, life gets really, really hard. Um, for example, this is a little proverb that I was given years ago. Chris, if you tell the truth, it's okay if you have a short memory. If you always tell the truth, it's okay if you have a short memory. Now, why are some of you grinning? Why? Edie? Because, you know, you, there's going to be another opportunity where, boy, now's a real good time to make another lie to deal with the situation. And all of a sudden, if you become a liar, 
What happens? You get them all mixed up and you, and you think your relationships become difficult? Yeah. So if you're a truth teller, so what if you got a bad memory? You get nothing to worry about. A fool ignores wisdom. Someone that seeks learning and knowledge and understanding chases hard after it. So you ready? All right, let's go for it. Our first proverb today. This is where it's going to begin. A person's gift makes room for him, of course, of her, and brings him before great people. This is a single freestanding proverb. All right? A person's gift makes room for him and brings him or her before great people. All right. Let's look at it. A person's gift. In Hebrew, it is matan. Matan in Hebrew. So a person's gift makes room for him. Okay? It literally means it widens. And in fact, in the Hebrew language, this is a very concrete operational kind of language. Uh, it, very plain, very concrete, very simple. It means to make something wider. It means to add acreage to a pasture. To have a, a larger field, or if you're plowing, to have a wide row is what it means. So a person's gift widens. It, ex, it's, it, it ex, creates greater space for this person and will even bring him before great people. And we can understand great people in two ways. Great people as in high status people, like kings and people in authority, or we can see it vertically, just a lot of people, like a great throng of people or a great crowd. A person's gift widens opportunity in his life and brings him before great people. Make sense? Okay. Why you give a gift and how you give a gift can make room for yourself, can impact your relationships. It can, if it's done incorrectly in or with a lack of wisdom, it can narrow things up. Anybody been manipulated by a gift? Anybody been used? Anyone been set up with a gift? Okay. No pointing, Michael. Shh, don't do that. Shh, we're in church. Come on, be nice. Um, when it's done well, it can make room. Instead of narrowing your way, narrowing your opportunity, it can expand your opportunities. Watch what happens here. This is Luke chapter 1. And you, now by the way, this is Zechariah's prophecy. Zechariah is talking. And you, child, John the Baptist, also will be called the prophet of the Most High. For you will go on before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give his people the knowledge of salvation by the forgiveness of their sins. Isn't that beautiful? Why did God send John the Baptist? To give people the knowledge of salvation by the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of our God with which the sunrise from on high will visit us to shine on those who sit in darkness in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. Wow, to broaden and widen this way this place for our feet where we can go, we can walk, 
Look what Isaiah says. For a child will be born to us. A son will be given. Natan, very similar to Matan in Hebrew. It's a, it's a family group word. It's a gift. Something is being given. In Greek, it's didomi. If you remember these words, giving. And the Septuagint translate that didomi, by the way. A son will be given to us and the government will rest on his shoulders and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, mm. Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. And there will be no end to the increase of his government or of peace on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and uphold it with justice and righteousness from then on and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of armies, the Lord of hosts, will accomplish this. Ah, what if God gave a gift? And he gave that gift to make room. And God gave that gift to make room for us. What if he was doing this? A person's gift makes room for him and brings him before great men. Let's do some simple life application because I want you to handle this, please. And, and those online, uh, please uh, be prepared to ask questions and give comments and, and speak wisdom to us. There is a deep wisdom in how God gave his gift of Jesus. Here's what I mean by that. The birth of Jesus is full of irony, contradiction, mystery, and a grace that connects with broken humanity. His birth enraged a king and yet honored shepherds. The irony of that. A king's supposedly a person of rank and honor and distinguished nobility. And, and the shepherds on the social scale are at the bottom. You've heard me say this before, Susan, Jeff, you may not know this, that shepherds were so distrusted their testimony was not allowed in court. In fact, Susan, the testimony of a woman was better than that of a shepherd. <laughs> and you couldn't trust a woman back then, so my goodness. And the shepherds below the testimony of a woman. They were scoundrels. They're like homeless people who somehow luckily got a job of watching some sheep at night. They were just bums. And yet, the way Jesus came, it enrages a king, the highest ranking person. And yet God honors shepherds as being missionaries and evangelists to go and declare what has happened. The irony, the contradictions in all these things. Rand, you know this, the king of kings, Jesus. Before he took the form of a servant and became a man, what do you think, what do you think he, looked, he looked like in heaven? When you read Revelation 1, wow. Faced like the sun and so magnificent you can't look at him. And then the contradiction that something God takes on human form and ends up in a feeding trough for livestock. How's that for an absurd upside down kind of thing? you would think a king would be born in a palace. Why? Why did God do that? What if he's making some room for us? 
What if that's happening? What if God wants a real and lasting relationship with you, with me? What if he intentionally gave the gift of his son to make room for himself? Now, if that's true, that means God wants a relationship with you. That's what that means. And I'm asking those questions rhetorically. The answer is, of course it's true. Of course it's true. God made room for me. God made room for you. God widened a path for us to access his kingdom. Why and how we give gifts can impact our relationships greatly. So, are you making room for anybody? (laughs) Um, A man's gift makes room for him. A woman's gift makes room for her and brings him or her before great people. God gave the gift of his son for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. All right, you are the body of Christ. You are gifted. His spirit is inside of you. If you're online, please, please, uh, Post and Stephen will handle that for you. 2 Corinthians says, says this. Since we have these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all defilement of body and spirit, bringing holiness to completion in the fear of God. Make room in your hearts for us. <laughs> Making room for people. Hi, Evie. Hi. Make room in your hearts for us. Okay, you're the body of Christ. How do we pull this out of a culture 3,000 years ago? Pull it out of that area into our world where this idea, this wisdom statement that a person's gift can make room for them and bring them before great people. How can we apply that to us today and even how this relates to Christmas and gift giving? You are the body of Christ. Own this thing. Muscle in on how we seek wisdom as God's people. Stephen, anybody online yet? Okay. Anybody? Wisdom, a person's gift makes room and brings him before great people. What do you think? Mm-hmm. I have a question. Yeah. When you say great people, is that like number or is it like important people? Yes. Oh. Yes. Yeah. 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 It could be taken in both senses, Kathy, but probably defaults to person of status, a person of status, but it can be taken in both senses, yeah. Why is this, why does this matter in our pursuit of a wise, well-lived life? Wisdom, what do you think? Physical gift, something tangible, yeah, yeah. And again, the Hebrew vocab, the Hebrew mind is very, very concrete, very practical. Uh, the Greek language is very abstract, very cerebral, but in the Hebrew language, very basic. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. Um, Janice, you were sure. um, I was thinking, uh, when we keep our hearts closed to other people, we never are willing to share or make room for. But it says here, make room in your hearts for us. And so I think when our hearts are open, opportunities come. And yes. I think yes. that if our hearts are open, then our doors should be open. Yeah. And um, it comes to mind another verse that I was thinking of is sometimes we might be entertaining angels unaware. There you go. Yeah, 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 yeah. So not that we're doing it for that, but that might be a special yeah, yeah, yeah. one. Sure, sure, exactly. That's very good. That's very good. Yeah, yeah. Um, Janice, you spoke wisdom. Yeah. Because if we close off to people, we're narrowing the space for relationship. But we, if we open up space for relationship, our lives can change. Yeah. By the way, what's one of the... <laughs> ouch, you ready for the sting? We're going to get a shot. You're about to feel a slight pinch, a slight sting um, as you get your vaccine, right? Y'all getting your vaccines? Okay, let's get back on track. Um, Joe, I can't wait to hear from Linda Nick this point. Are you ready? <laughs> if you want to widen your space, what's one thing you got to let go of? <laughs> control. Because if you want high control, what happens to your space? It's got to get smaller. The smaller the space, the easier it is to control. But if you want to give a gift and you want to open up to other people, it means you're not always going to have control. That's for sure. Uh, Joe. Pretty good parallel to the parable of the talent here, isn't there? Um, to be able to have your gift wide in space and bring you before great people, you've got to share. Got to share. Got to share. So guys with talents, one guy buries his, the other guys go out and work, use them, and share them, yeah. and their talents grow. Same deal here, I think. Yes, that's yeah, good. That's very good that you pulled it into the New Testament. Yeah. And the one guy that didn't? He got in trouble. He got in trouble. <laughs> Yeah. He wanted high levels of control, and he acted out of fear, not faith, and he buried his talent. Yep. Yep. Let's get someone else on why this proverb matters. The person's gift makes room for him and brings him before great people. Yes, sir. Terry. In trying to pull this into our time, when we're all leading semi-hectic lives and bouncing from pillar to pillar, we need to be aware of the opportunities that present themselves to open the path, yeah. to take the time to greet somebody, to talk to them, yeah. to listen, yeah. Yeah. to listen to them. Yeah, that's so good, Terry. Yeah. That's so good, yeah. Terry, when we're self-absorbed, it's kind of hard to pay attention to the people around us, huh? Well, it really is. Yeah. We've all got things going on in our lives that we think are the most important thing. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. oftentimes they're not. Yeah, that's so good, Terry. See, you've spoken wisdom. In fact, Proverbs says, the one who waters will himself be watered. The one who waters will himself be watered. Lisa has a green thumb, and she's able to grow stuff, and it's amazing, and, but she has to constantly water that stuff. 
But at harvest, there's payback. She gets water. She gets blessing. One who waters and is generous will, in fact, be watered. So if I can go back to, you were talking about your mother giving. Yeah, 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 yeah. My mother, early on, said, now remember, Terry, it's better to give than to receive. Yeah, yeah. That's not true. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Yeah, from a child's perspective, exactly. Not true. We like that wish book, huh? But yeah. later on, I came to find that that yeah. is so true. Yeah. That you receive a lot more uh, when you yeah. are doing the giving. Yeah, that's so good. Uh, Daniel? Yes, sir. Uh, when I think of that issue and talk about person's gift, I also think about the idea of the effort they give towards that gift. So, like, I guess for me as an educator, you know, a lot of times we get frustrated with people that aren't fully invested in that gift of reaching out to kids, helping kids, being that role model for kids. And I feel like if you're doing that, you're selling yourself short of what God has for you. You know, if he gives you that talent to do something, you should do your best at doing it because it's going to give yourself the best opportunity to reach whoever you need to reach into in God's plan. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's so good, Daniel. Thank you. Susan, I think you... Uh, you yeah. yeah? Um, well, I kind of like what Terry said. I'll go off of that. But um, I think it's important to give the gift of ourselves, like give of our time and our presence. Yeah. And so not just like, hello on Sunday, how are you doing, and that kind of stuff, yes, but actually yes. make the time to spend with people. Yes. And um, not just church people either. Because yeah. Yeah. How are we going to get before more people? We have to put ourselves out there and not just be around Christians all the time and then develop relationships. And so, I mean, maybe I'm taking it too far, but yeah, I do see good. that giving of yourself to others and then opens the opportunity for them to hear what you have to say yeah. about Christ. Yes. But if yes. you just, like, hand out tracts on the street, they're not going to really have much... Yeah, yeah, no relationship there yeah. at all. Yeah. So just yeah. give up your time and you know your presence. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. I think you were, if I remember correctly, you were talking about the significance and importance of you know a person's gift to make room. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, bringing people, great people before him and whatnot. It's it's a chain reaction. Yes. Yes. That's the, that's the cause and cause and effect, huh? Absolutely. That's so good. Thank you. Thank you very much. Um, this, uh, uh, Stephen, go ahead. Yeah, uh, Philip online says, I think there's a great joy in giving. Giving a gift requires one person to give up something for another in a loving manner. My hope is that the one receiving the gift understands the intent behind the gift. In our own spiritual walks, God gave us the ultimate gift and redemption for our sins. It cost him his son, but God's intent was to truly love his creation. I pray we understand in the light of Christmas and through our spiritual journey with God. And Sabrina Coleman um, says, when we are walking in obedience to Christ, he has all the way, he has a way of opening opportunities that are beyond anything we could have imagined, and they tend to have ripple effects. Yeah. God has gifted each one of us different ways to be used according to his purpose for us in his kingdom. Yeah. Thank you so much, Philip. Thank you, Sabrina. Thank you. That is beautiful. Um, I, I want to I mention something that I think is important for us. 
Um, you, if you're like me, you may have had this encounter. Perhaps you uh, uh, had a gift and a suggestion is made that that might be given to John Doe or Jane Doe. And in the course of that conversation, someone says, no, they don't deserve that. Anybody there? Like a really special gift? <laughs> no, we're not giving that to Aunt Finkelstein because she's just impossible to live with. No, that's going to so-and-so because we really like them. Um, you get the idea. Sometimes a gift that's really significant, we want to make sure that when we give that gift, they're going to really appreciate it when we give it to them. Make sense? You don't want to waste your gift? Didn't Jesus say something about not casting pearls before swine? You get the idea? Okay. Can we push it just a bit? It's unique that when God gave his son, he was giving it to us at our worst, Randy. We weren't worthy of the gift that he gave. That's interesting. Not worthy. Radical irony, contradiction, mystery. A person's gift makes room for him and brings him for great people. Anybody else on how we live this out? Anybody? Was, yeah, um, Kathy. Thinking about the verses, I sometimes have trouble receiving <clears throat> gifts. Because um, we were talking about the beginning, like, you know, being set up and things like that. Yeah. Um, my mind sometimes goes to motive as opposed to just being open and accepting. Or coming back and saying, oh, well, now I owe this person something. Yeah. And that's just something I'm working on. But I think if we are open, and especially with, with God's gift to Jesus, being open to accepting that gift fully. Because yeah. just like a person who gives you a gift, that person is very happy to give you that gift. Yes. Um, if we, if God is happy to give us the gift of Jesus. And if we open our arms and open our hearts absolutely fully as receivers of gifts. I think that's super important to remember and just kind of not have that automatic thing, gosh, what do I have to do for this now, or yeah. things like that. Yeah. I'm not know if anybody goes through that, it's just kind of a thing that yeah. I, I do yeah. with it. Yeah. Trying to be more open to receiving. Yeah. yeah, that's good, Kathy. And you know, for a lot of us, gift giving and gift receiving, especially gift receiving, it's really hard. It's awkward to, to get a gift. So you guys have spoken wisdom. You know, Jesus applied this idea when he told his disciples. Uh, yes? Yeah. Uh, Brian? Oh, yes, Pam. I was just going to add on to what you said that the word humility comes to me that in giving a gift, in the time of Jesus, that was the You just quoted the gospel, didn't you? <laughs> for God so loved the world, number one, he didn't send a Baptist committee. Number two, for God so loved the world, he didn't do a rewrite of the church, you know, the church rules. For God so loved the world, and that's me and you, that he gave his only begotten son. Paul made it very clear in Romans 
that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us, Romans 5.8. He valued us more than our moral worth because our moral worth says that we all deserve the judgment of hell because we have all sinned and gone the way of selfishness. So someone else on gift giving and, and this gift of making I kind of wanted to make a comment that uh, as I've been listening to you talk and thinking about how we give gifts to people and you made the mention of giving it to your man who doesn't deserve it and, and we have these principles of gift giving tied to love hmm. but it is so the opposite for when we were at our worst and completely unworthy, God loved us and still knew at that point that we were unworthy. I don't know that we as human beings can look upon somebody and say, you're unworthy and I love you. And I just think that's it's just kind of amazing to be able to, to hold those two positions in a quality. That just shows God has got picture of God. Yeah, yeah. Michael, I think of Ephesians 2. We are saved by grace through faith, and it's not of ourselves so that we can't brag about it. It's a gift from God. Yeah. By the way, does anybody think that your sin, or can I get a little more specific, the worst, most wicked thing you've ever done in your life, did that catch God by surprise? Did he go, oh, whoa, Gabriel, do you see that? I had, oh my goodness, that's bad. I don't think he does that at all. I think he sees the beginning and the end and the middle all at the same time. He's not bound by time and space. Yeah. Yeah. Someone else, uh, Randy, yes, sir. So back on the first point, um, Solomon, did Solomon write this proverb, you know? This you know, his story, you really can't pin it down. He's a great collector of them, right. but also wrote, according to the Bible, 3,000. It's argued that he wrote, th and we don't have all of them. I'm thinking, try to, try to take it from the, his perspective. He was the wealthiest man in the world at that time. Absolutely. As far as we know. He, as had, you know. he had the ability to give great I gifts. Can't. Yes, Yes. And he also had the ability to engage with great people. Yes. Who then could then indirectly, because of Solomon's gifts, draw more of the nations that were around him to the God of the Hebrews or the God of Israel. Yes, yes. So now try to bring that forward. What is our motivation? I've said this before, I'll just say it again for the context. Um, do we even want to have relationships with people that we disagree with? Or <laughs> Thank do we you. Even want to and the answer is no. Right. <laughs> it's too irritating. Uh, yeah. So how do we get to that point where we desire to have relationships with people who do not know God yet? Yeah. Or we, are we, or we yeah. don't think they're worthy. Doesn't the matter. Word, yeah. 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 Because... Is our whole objective by living our life here to draw people to God, or is it not? Is you're it? it? You're getting at it, Randy. Yeah. So you're getting at it. 
how and why we give gifts can impact our relationships. Do we want to have relationships with those people who do not yet believe in Christ? And you mentioned one thing, Chris, about number three, um, God widened the path. And you made a comment about those, if we widen the path for people, we give up control. Yeah. God never did that. <laughs> he never gave up control. Yeah. yeah. He gave us freedom and free will. Yeah. But he's still in control. He's still in control. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. yeah. So I think our motive, I, I mean, Ned and I have talked about this before, that I don't think it, it, it has to be a relationship we have with God in order for us to grow in our desire to want to have relationships with other people yeah. who do not treat us well. You just quoted the New Testament. Yeah. Yeah. But it's not, it doesn't come naturally. No. And see, and by the way, this is where discipleship gets real. Yeah. yeah. That the way Jesus treats me, does that help me in how I treat other people? Yeah, Pam, you nailed it. Um, when we see the person, what are we looking at? <laughs> a measurement of worth regarding the gift or just that we see them as a human being created in the image of God and therefore an object of love? Yeah, Brian. I have the opportunity to, I have the opportunity to share my life with others on a daily basis. Yes. I have issues sharing that life because of the reaction that I might get in return. I still share that light sometimes and don't get the return that I that I want. Yeah. yeah. That that I know that if it was give it a second it will. Yeah. Yeah. So my point to that was we don't always if we're giving the gift, we don't always receive what we expect or what Yeah, not all gifts are received well, huh? Yeah, yeah. So, okay, someone else. We're good. Randy, yes, sir. Mr. Brian, and I appreciate what you just said. But if you put that in the perspective of God, he, didn't, he doesn't always get the response that he would like to have either. Nor Jesus, yeah. With the gift he gave, but he keeps pursuing us. He doesn't give up just because yeah. we mess up once. Yeah. He, he continues to pursue us even as unbelievers before we've yeah. received his son as yeah. our savior. That's so good, Randy. Yes. He does not give up. Yeah. So, yes, sir. Okay. Did you say, or did you state that God didn't give up control? He doesn't give up control. Yeah, he's still God. He isn't giving us free will something he created. Oh, yeah. He made the system, yeah, he controlled the system that it gives us free will, which is a mystery. It is absolutely a mystery, Gabe. So, let's, let's uh, take it to this place. Um, uh, God has made room for you. God has given you the gift of his son. And we as Christians, we who, who say we follow Jesus... It begins with his birth. And the way he was brought to this world is so ironic. It's such a fascinating thing. It's as though God is saying, I care about the people who are on the lowest tiers of society. The folks on the lowest rung, I'm there. I started at a manger. 
and I ended in a throne. I get it, and I know where you are. Um, the gift of God's love and God's grace and the gift of salvation, it's free, but you have to receive it by faith. If I could be so plain with you right now, did you know that all of you here, with the exception of me, you are all exhibiting 100% pure faith? Did you know this? You all are demonstrating 100% pure faith because you're putting your body and all of your weight on those chairs and you're not acting like a leg's about to bust under and you're going to position yourself so in case the chair collapses, you won't really get hurt. You're putting all of your weight on the chair, trusting that it can handle how much you weigh. When we have faith in God, it's like saying, God, I'm going to put the full weight of my soul on you. I'm going to put the full weight of my guilt and my sin, and I'm going to lay it on the shoulders of Jesus because I can't handle it. I am crushed under the weight of my own sin. And Jesus bears that for us. And we experience forgiveness. And it is given by grace through faith which means you receive the gift. And if you're not worthy, great, join the club. But you receive it anyway because he said you could. You have that ability, you can. And you can open that gift and you can enjoy God's gift. But it's something by faith. We can't go chasing after other gods and try to accessorize with Jesus He is the way, the truth, the life. There's no other way to the Father except through him. And this is his gift, and we accept it. If you have never accepted Christ as your Savior, please come see me at the end of the service. I'll be back there. I want you to come, and I want you to talk to me. I want to walk you through how to pray and and pray that simple prayer. God, I, I need your son, Jesus, to forgive me. Step out of heaven, step inside of me by faith. I accept you as my Lord and Savior. And this miracle happens. It's the greatest gift of all. I want you to to know that gift. And I want you to see me after the service. I want to walk you through that. We're not, please, just please do that. Um, Some of you need to rethink your relationships. You need to rethink through the higher your levels of control, the more narrow your room is going to be. The more grace you extend to other people and yourself, the wider the room is going to be. And how you deal with people in a gift kind of way, matan, a gift, will radically transform your relationships. I want to pray for you right now. Abba, Father, Thank you for everyone that's here. Thank you for Philip, the wisdom he brings, Sabrina, others. Thank you for Pam, getting at your heart that we've got to see people. We have to see humans as worthy objects of love because they are created in your image and you desire that all would be saved and that none would perish. God, thank you. God, thank you that you chose to send your son Thank you, Jesus, for being willing to take the form of a baby. Thank you so much for the incarnation, the gift.
teach us the way of humility and the way of grace through the birth of your son. Abba Father, we love you and thank you now. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.